Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with the the very lovely Francine Rivers. Francine, thank you for being on the program with me. My pleasure. It's good to be here. Now, we're we're primarily here uh, because we're going to talk about your upcoming novel, The Lady's Mine. Uh, This is your first historical novel in, in quite a while. Can you just give us the elevator pitch for the book? What is this novel about? It's about an 1870s uh, silver mining town in California and a suffragette who's basically kicked out of her family but and sent to find a, a rather meager inheritance in the town. And it, the question that launched it was, can one person change a community? Mm-hmm. And with God, yeah. And she's, she's quite feisty. It's sort of a com- com- combination of um, the taming of the shrew and a Western. I love California history. So I just kind of wanted to go back and have some fun with the writing because we were all, you know, locked in our houses during right. COVID. So, and I thought this, this book has a lot more humor in it because I thought we need to laugh. You know, we're, it's too serious mm-hmm. right now. So this was the book that you started writing during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. I guess in a way it's been two years. So I guess it is enough yeah. time to have written a whole thing. <laughs> it feels like a lot. It, bo- it both feels like it's been a decade and it feels like it hasn't been that long. Um, yeah. I, I have to tell you, I am I am absolutely in love with the with the title of the book and the wordplay yeah. that that's there in it. Uh, because you you might think it's gonna be that stereotypical romance title. Um uh, <laughs> And, you know, the guy wants the girl, the lady's mine, back off. Uh, yeah. But it's actually about a, an actual an actual mine that belongs yes. to her. Um, I, I, I know that if it was me, I would have thought of the title and been like, I have to write, <laughs> I have to write a book like this. Uh, how did that work out for you? At what point did you come upon aha this is going to be the title for this book well actually tyndale came up with the title okay because there's there's a lot of wordplay mm. in the story there are a lot mm. of uh you have to kind of hunt for them i know my my editor was reading through and she said the second time she read it she she caught this one name of a company and just cracked up because <laughs> you know the 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 woman ends up being a newspaper woman Right. So there are the titles of the stories that she's writing, but they're the names of the businesses in the street. So there, I tried to lace humor all through it, although there are some serious topics in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I, I don't know. I just, I just appreciate it because it's, it's almost that subversion of trope because I, I know people are going into a Francine Rivers novel and they're thinking romance and, yeah. and, and, and you, you deliver, you deliver on that. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's much more than that as well. Uh, so I want to talk about that because the romance element is there, but the 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 larger part of the novel is more about this woman in a man's world yeah. trying to make it and trying to change this community that she's put herself into. Um, why was that an important theme for you? Well, I you know I just think it's true of any community that uh, as Christians, how can we impact our community for for good? And there are a lot of other characters in the novel that actually inspire her. There's the cafe, uh, Rania, who is the cafe owner, and she's a widow, but she hires widows to work with her. And there's Matthias Beck, who's the saloon keeper. And of course, she has her preconceived notions about who he is. 
and he actually is, there's a lot more to his story too. So it's, um, it, it may start with one person inspiring, but it takes a lot of people working together to change mm-hmm. the community for the better. And specifically your, your main character, Catherine, she's coming to, uh, she's, she's coming from an upbringing sort of, of privilege yes. that's been taken away from her. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know how much we want to get into the actual <laughs> details of the novel because we want to let the readers, you know, figure it out for themselves. Um, but that, I think that's an important part of everything because it's one thing, uh, she is a, you know, she's a, she's a suffragette. Uh, she's advocating for women's rights and for equality. And that's one thing to do when you are in a privileged upbringing yeah. uh, and in a privileged environment. And that's a completely different thing to do when you no longer have that privilege backing you. And yes. uh, she loses that privilege and ends up way out in you know the wild west. Uh, it ends up in this mining town that's completely different than the city that she's grown up in. Uh, what, what sort of changes were you thinking about for her character as she has to navigate that change in her life? Well, for one thing, she needs to learn not to be so noxious because <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't accomplish anything when you're abrasive and um, you, you have to think and be gracious, you know, when you're dealing with other people. But, you know, the working title of this was The Disinherited because everybody mm. in the story in one way or another is disinherited and they yeah. end up there in this hodgepodge of people trying to find wealth, trying to find something that answers the needs in their life. And of course, it's, it's not gold, it's not silver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has to be the Lord and, and relationships with other people. So she, she has to soften and she has to learn how to, um, how to reach out in a way that isn't gonna push people back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not what, to offend every time she right. opens Right, right. That, 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 that's such a, I think, an important point. It's such a hard thing because when you feel really strongly about something, especially when you feel really strongly about something righteous, about justice, mm-hmm. um, that you, you know, you want justice, you want equality, um, you know, you're advocating for things that are, that are good. Mm-hmm. But how do you, how do you put yourself in a position to actually make those things well, and the other the other thing too, I wanted to get across is that she has she makes up her mind who Matthias Beck is from the first time mm-hmm. she meets him, and it's the same for him. And you you can't just make up your mind about who people are from first impressions. Mm-hmm. You need to get to know them. Mm-hmm. So their their relationship grows through the course of the book. Yeah, and of course, it is the two the two stubborn characters that. Yes eventually yes. find themselves um i think allies. It's, it's, as allies allies uh you know the, the bible verses as iron sharpens iron and I, I don't know they eventually work their way into that uh yeah. but the, it requires that friction and that tension for them to learn about each other and and yeah. get to know one another uh i, I want to talk about the setting because you this is a, this is a common setting for you this sort of the mid 1800s uh so it's something mm-hmm. that you've had familiarity with why do you find yourself drawn to that time period um well i'm drawn to that time period in california because i'm a californian Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm a native californian and it's always fascinated me the number of people the diversity of people that came from all over the world to find gold and then later to find silver 
in the 70s. It, it just fascinates me. Mm-hmm. So we visited Virginia City and we visited Columbia and Sonora and all those areas up there in the gold rush period in the summer time. So yeah. I just, I, I don't know, it's just something that um, has always been sort of in my blood as a Californian. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really it fits the theme of this novel in particular, uh, like you were talking about, everyone is looking for something yes. uh, and everyone has come to that town, has created that community because they're looking for wealth, they're looking for power, they're looking for secure things they didn't have in whatever, whatever place they came from. Yeah. Uh, but so many of them uh, don't find that. Uh, yeah. Are they struggling through that? Yeah, a lot of them find themselves because of what they have come for the the gold rush or the and the silver rush in this case, they don't find what they're looking for. But they also can't go back home because they have no they don't have the resources now to go back to what they had. Mm-hmm. So they have to sort of build a community. Some have come their teachers or their carpenters or whatever. They have to you put those uh, occupations to work in the mm-hmm. place that they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what ended, ends up building a community is all those skills of the miners that are not making it and the streams are in the, in the hills, they come back to their occupations. And then in some cases, they're able to bring their families out. In a lot of cases, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. They couldn't afford to. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about the, the relationship between Catherine and Matthias because that, that's the romance. That's the... Now, I know that the... Most of the people who most of the people who read your books are not me. Uh, you know, I'm not your target demographic. Uh, you, I'm sure that you already know this. Yes. Um, I know so I'm I'm reading the book, and in my in the back of my mind, I'm going, if I wrote this, they wouldn't get married. You know that you know, but yeah. I know that I know that's not going to happen. I I know it, and that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. You have to give your readers you want. Uh, but I'm you know as I'm reading it, I'm what I appreciated about the relationship was that you could have gone the route of this is a platonic friendship. She doesn't need a man. That's been the whole concept of the book is that she doesn't, she doesn't need a man. Um, and that's fine. Uh, but I know they're, I know they're going to get the romance. That's, that's perfectly okay. Um, but what I appreciated, it's not, it's not always the case because I did write a book called Leota's garden. And she does not end up married mm. at the end. And I, I, it was interesting because I'd get so many letters from people saying, is she going to marry Corbin? You know, what's going to happen there? And it was like, I had heard from a, a missionary and she said, why is it always in Christian fiction that they end up mm. married at the end? What about people like me that feel called to remain single? I thought she has a point. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So Catherine could have remained single, but I wanted her to be the one you know she's the one that's against marriage and she actually ends up helping to set up people and get them married and then she ends up having to make the proposal at the end mm-hmm. right so to me, it was the irony and the amusement of that she's been so against it and now she then she also had although it didn't occur to her until he mentioned it she had a legal reason for marrying matthias right. beck and that was to protect her mind mm-hmm. yeah I, I just appreciated the fact that it could have gone both ways. Yeah. That I knew just because of the genre in which you write, yeah. this is where the story is going. Uh, but at the same point, just to be like, this wasn't just hammered, hammered, hammered in. 
Yeah. Uh, but the relationship was much more than just the romance. And I, I appreciate as a, as a male, as a millennial male yeah. in my thirties, <laughs> reading your book, uh, I, I appreciated that because it, it gave you. me something as well. Um, yeah. So you write for a wide variety of people and, and you were hitting all of those, all of those things. Um, now it had been, I think it'd been some time because it'd been four years since you had released a novel, I think. Uh, yeah, if I, I have it right. No idea. <laughs> uh, and it, longer than that, since you've written a historical novel. So what, I don't want to ask what, like what you were doing, you know, you don't owe us a novel every year or so. Um, mm-hmm. There is a point I know at which you, well, I, well, will you ever retire? I base is basically what I'm getting to. Is there a point where you're going to say in your mm-hmm. life? Cause you know, my, my mom taught me not to ask a lady's age and I won't. Uh, but you are of an age at which if, if you decided you didn't want to write any more books, almost everyone would be like, she's earned that. You've had a yeah. long, successful career. Are you going to keep doing that for just as long as you can? Or is there a point where you just say, you know what, I'm ready to move on to something different and something new? Well, I, you know, I don't know because it's always since I became a Christian, mm-hmm. my writing has really been uh, to ask questions. You know, I, I had things that I was dealing with my own life and I would use the the writing as a tool to go before the Lord and try to find out what his perspective is. And I, um, I have one more idea that I would like to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I have no idea because mm-hmm. he, he took it away at one point. He could take it away at another point. And right now I'm becoming very involved in um, the Redeeming Love Sanctuary Foundation that we're starting that really was inspired by the Redeeming Love movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'll probably be become more involved in that uh, endeavor as time goes by. But it's it's really up to God. It's one year to the next. And is there an idea that's burning in my brain? If so, then all right. If not, he's got something else planned for me. Yeah, that's great. Christians never retire. <laughs> they just that's true. Yes, they just change. You know, God just directs them into other areas. Yeah. So I would be absolutely remiss if I did not ask you about the upcoming Redeeming Love movie. Um, the book came out 30 years ago. So yeah. this has been quite the journey. Uh, yeah. I, I know that you, you've had, this isn't your first movie. I think The Last Sin Eater. Uh, Last Sin Eater uh, was the first one. Was your first one. Uh, yeah. But this is, this is the big one uh, for you. Uh, what was the journey from book to movie like? Oh, it was um, in some ways miraculous. Holly Caruso was up here um, and she, somebody gave her the book and she took it home and showed it to her husband, DJ, and he read it. And she said, this has got to be a movie. And we've, we've been approached by different companies and have actually had options over the years, but they never really understood Michael in the script. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to just write a script and show them what I'm looking for. So I, I studied final draft and I put it together and they ended up taking that script. And then I worked with DJ because he, he could restructure things for the screen. You don't want the linear story from redeeming love because you get all that backstory about the little girl. So he has flashback and then we worked on scenes together because you can't have God speaking out of the sky. People wouldn't understand what's going on. Um, So that was a lot of fun working with him and then finding the right people to play the role. 
we really, um, we knew right away Abigail Cohn was right for Angel, but it took quite a journey to find uh, Tom Lewis because we watched so many auditions, but they couldn't pull off pure and innocent for a man. You know, they all kind of were coming on to Angel in a different way. Right. Tom Lewis really understood the role. He read the book once or twice, I think. And then um, he's a classically trained actor from England. And he he could do all the nuances of the emotions. You see so much in his expression when he's when he's playing the role of Michael. But it, it, the film, it filmed in South Africa and it actually finished 24 hours ahead of the COVID shutdown worldwide. And then they were able to finish the entire film in private studios. So it's been ready for a year. Yeah. Just waiting for the theaters to open up. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, during that time, Universal Studios Mm -hmm. said they wanted to be the ones that were distributing it. So it's become a Universal Studios presents movie, which will open theaters up all over the country and in, in other countries, too. So that's been that's all been God doing all that. It's just amazing. Yeah, how it's it is, come together. the timing for it seems to be yeah. just right. So it was very close to not not getting this done and being caught up. Like oh. so many so many other you know film projects were. Yeah, uh, well, and we uh, feel we feel you know whatever happens. I mean, there's a mandate in California right now that we have mm. to be masked even indoors and and all that. It's you know it's always in God's timing. You know, and, mm. and whatever timing he selects it's perfect right now it's it's january 21st it's going to be released here in the states and the premiere where the premiere will be on the 13th so we're very excited about that this has been a long process and i've seen the movie i think it's wonderful it's they've got all the all the elements that people are going to be looking for in the film Do you think that there will be an option for more Francine Rivers books turned into movies in the future? I have no idea. I would love to see the masterpiece because Mm -hmm. the masterpiece is about a graffiti artist. Right. Yeah. And I think that would be an interesting and it's about childhood trauma and how it affects adult thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that would be a fun one to watch and it would be a contemporary story. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask is, um, obviously redeeming love was written 30 years ago and a lot, a lot in the world has changed since that book came out. And, uh, one of the reviews that I was reading of the book was kind of critical of the relationship between, um, between Michael and Angel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think especially they had pointed to, when they get married, that it's more Michael dragging Angel along and she's not really sure what's going on. And they, the, regarding consent, that just kind of made them feel, you know, they just didn't, weren't sure they, they liked that. Are, are there things that you would change if you were writing that book now? Obviously, you m- more recently wrote the screenplay. Um, or like, how do you respond to that sort of criticism from from the, for the book? Um, I wouldn't change anything because it's really a story about God's love Mm -hmm. for his bride, for us. And um, they come to get, he waits, he waits before they consummate the marriage until she's ready. So it's a long process and he's, he's wooing her and winning her because she's been badly abused. She was sold into prostitution at the age of eight. 
and he and he he just is very careful and very loving and he's showing her the kind of love God wants to give her and he's telling her it's your choice you know you can choose the life you want you your past doesn't have to define you um so it's it's a very passionate story Mm-hmm. But he never drags her anywhere. I don't know where they're getting that. I, okay. When I hear that kind of a criticism, I think, have they really read the book? Mm-hmm. He never drags her anywhere. Um, he is he is very tender with her. And when she finally runs away at the end, there are reasons why. And it, it really reflects what happens to people that have been trafficked mm-hmm. and how they've been abused. And they will sometimes flee from love and they'll go back to what they know. Uh, and he understands that. And that's why he goes and he gets her and he brings her out. But he asks her, do you want to stay here? Or do you want to go with me? And she grabs his hand and goes, mm-hmm. you know, so there's there's never any forcing her. Um, anyway. Yeah, that's I, hope they, I hope they will read the book. This is, this is my real hope is I hope people read the book before they see the movie, because there's so much mm-hmm. going on in the minds of both characters, the battle that's going on. Uh, for Michael is to win her and to to not you know be caught up in the emotion because at one point he walks in on her when she's with another man in the brothel after he's married to her and he has to forgive and get that out of his head and of course well I don't want to give away the whole story but there are a lot of Mm -hmm. extremely difficult circumstances that he needs to forgive and get past Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm and understand her at one point when she leaves and he goes and he gives her the choice he gives her the water and the coat and says you know that way is 25 miles and you're going to have the same thing at the end of it that way is one mile to home but also to your husband and the rules apply and she your choice and she comes back and she's thinking i'm going to be lectured and abused and he washes her feet her bloody Mm -hmm. blistered feet he washes them Mm -hmm. so it's difficult love. It's, um, it's not tough love. It's tender wooing love like God does for so many of us. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to shift a little bit and just ask about the writing life. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast and you know, they, they, they write, they want to write, they may not know how to start. Um, and I have an expert right here. So, um, what for you does a typical writing day look like, or do you have one? Um, I usually start, I always start by reading my Bible. You know, Rick and I get up fairly early. I like, I get up four 30 in the morning this morning, sometimes five 30, but we have our time of reading together. And then we talk and pray together. And then I, when I come to work after, you know, take a shower get dressed, like you're going to work, have your breakfast and then plant yourself in the seat and do mm-hmm. the work. And I, I usually have a quote of about four pages a day because at one time it mattered more to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. It, became, it was an idol in my life. So I tend to limit how much I do a day and I work five days a week unless I'm nearing a deadline and I have to get it done quicker. Um, but it really, the story for me, I'm what they call a pantser. So I don't have the entire story all planned out. It's not all mapped out. I will send in a a proposal, but Tyndale already knows it's not going to look the same (laughs) when we get it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) They're very gracious about that, but it's, 
you know, allow the story to take over, allow the characters mm-hmm. to to show you what they're where they're going. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes for me, that's what makes it fun. You know, you don't really know what you're gonna face from one day to the next mm-hmm. as the story progresses. So for someone, if you had someone who who did tend more toward, I feel like I need to outline everything and know exactly where the story is going or I feel lost, uh, what advice would you have to them? Because I, I doubt you're going to get someone to change their natural inclinations yeah. from one to the other, uh, but yeah. what can they do to maybe free themselves up a little bit more and actually write the story and not just write the outline? Yeah, well, it, it's just basically just start on page one and just keep going and mm-hmm. just uh, just do the work. I mean, every every writer has their own way of doing things. There is no right or wrong way. And when you say expert, I have to laugh because mm-hmm. I still look at myself as an apprentice. I'm learning with every project that I mm-hmm. do. And if I looked at it as I'm going to write a book, I'd never start because that's so overwhelming. That's such a big thing to tackle. I have to look at it as I can do four pages a day. Mm-hmm. I can gradually, and some people say I can do a page a day. At the end of a year, you've got 365 pages. So it's uh, just keep, the main thing for me is to keep the question in my mind. What am I trying to find? I'm trying to find an answer as a quest. Mm-hmm. So I keep that question central. And then how are those characters gonna answer that question? And what is God's perspective, which is why I need to be in scripture all the time looking for the answer. What, I think this is a good transition. What do you wish you knew? Like if you could go back to younger you starting your writing career, uh, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? Oh, good grief. (laughs) How long do we have, right? How long do we have? Yeah, I didn't know anything then. Well, for one thing, I majored in, I went to college and I majored in uh, English, an emphasis in literary writing. And I minored in journalism because I knew I was going to be a writer. I've known since I was a little kid. I didn't know what I was going to be writing. And I, but I didn't learn to write by taking classes and by going to college. I learned to write by reading. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice is saturate yourself with really good books to learn your craft and then read the garbage to get the incentive to write, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, you get that feeling of, oh, well, I can do that. I can do yeah. better than that. And that gives you the incentive to write, but you want that, the classic and, and the really fine writing mm-hmm. to train you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll wrap it up. One more question about the book, uh, just to sort of bring it full circle. Um, what do you hope your readers take away from the ladies' mind? That they can make a difference in the community, hmm. that they need to, they need to speak up and they need to stand for people that can't stand for themselves um, and to just trust that God will guide them and they can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's what I came away uh, from the book with. Oh, good. Um, it's it's. I mean, a, again, for me, that that community aspect of seeing her, seeing Catherine come in and and help transform a community, and and through that, transform herself uh, in yes. in helping others, in bringing others to wholeness. You help yourself come to wholeness. Yes. Uh, and that, that comes out wonderfully in the book. So I'm so excited oh, uh, that other people will be able to read it here soon. So again, for those of you listening, the book is The Lady's Mind. It comes out February 
Eighth, sixth, sixth or seventh? Something early February. Pre-order yeah. it. Pre-order it. That way you don't have to wait. Just pre-order it. Um, you know, call your local independent bookstore and ask for them to get this book for you. Um, get it. Uh, it's it's another in a long line of Francine Rivers classics. Uh, Francine, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Gosh. on the program today. I appreciate it so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.